Because creating jobs means creating the conditions for everyone to thrive. Because families know best what their children need for educational success. It's our job to listen and help make it happen. Because futures filled with opportunity are unlocked when you read, write, draw, discuss, and dream. Today on Because Radio, Light teams up with social enterprises and local makers to create a seasonal box full of practical items for the summer. We visit the New Iceland Heritage Museum in Gimli on a road trip. This week's Winnipeg impact maker, Amy Tung, gives back to the community through the I Am Love Project. All this and more on Because Radio. Hello and welcome to Because Radio, episode number 14. My name is Robert Zirk. And I'm Sonny Promolo. Sonny, how are you doing this week? Doing great. Uh, how about you? I'm doing well, thanks. Uh, have you uh, been out and enjoying some of the festivals this summer season? Yeah, during lunch times, I sometimes take a stroll down to Old Market Square and check out the festivities with the Fringe. Right on. So the Fringe Festival is still... Uh, ongoing up until I believe Sunday, so uh, be sure to check out some some shows, support local theater, and uh, we've got a great show to highlight for you today. Today's foundation feature focuses on literacy, education, and employment, and uh, the subject of today's foundation feature, Light, or Local Investment Toward Employment, is an organization that's devoted to reducing poverty by creating jobs and breaking down barriers to employment in our city. One way in which Light is helping to do this is through its seasonal light boxes, which are collections of items made by social enterprises and local makers. Light had a uh, light box for the holiday season, and they've now launched a 2019 summer light box. And producer Jeremy Morantz spoke with Tanessa and Tyler, who are social enterprise ambassadors with Light, to learn a little bit more about the light box program and about what's inside the summer light box that's available right now. This week's foundation feature on Because Radio focuses on literacy, education, and employment. I'm Jeremy Morantz. I'm here with Tanessa and Tyler, two social enterprise ambassadors with Light. Tanessa and Tyler, thank you so much for being here today. Why don't we start off by describing to our listeners what Light is, in case they don't know. So Light is local investment towards employment. And what we do there is invest in social enterprises that are in order to create job opportunities within them. So we take grants or donations and then reinvest them back into places like Build or even One Nation Exchange, where it offers employment opportunities to people who are outside the labor market. So Tyler, your shirt says, ask me about social enterprise, and I'm going to do just that. What is social enterprise and why is it important to support? So social enterprise is essentially the same as a normal business format, right? Where they create a product or a service, they then sell it and they make a profit. But the difference in social enterprise is that they take those profits and reinvest them into a social cause, whether it be employment or 
into bettering the environment or to getting people out of poverty, essentially. So that's where we differ, whereas a business, a traditional business, is going to just give it to a manager or somebody who's higher up and line their pockets rather than a social cause. So why did you why did you two want to become ambassadors uh, for social enterprise and, and for light? Um, I was a student at RB Russell and I was looking for work and light gave me the opportunity for a job and well I needed money to support my child in university. Thank you for sharing that. And um, I want to ask you guys a little bit about, uh, as social enterprise ambassadors, what you do. You're going around all over the place this summer talking about light and talking about social enterprise. So what's some of the stuff that you guys are doing? A big thing that we're doing is we're going to the downtown markets every Thursday, 1030 to 130. And there we're just trying to spread awareness, right? We're trying to get people talking about social enterprise. We're trying to get people more... I guess, used to the idea of it and as a business system in general. So we're just there building awareness. Some other important events we have planned in the future are at Pollux Hardware on July 27th. We're doing a big sale on the light boxes at Pollux and promoting their cooperative and what light does. And then on August 9th, from 9 to 5, we are at the Forks at Travel Manitoba Building. And there, we are going to be doing the same thing that we do at the Hydro Building, is promoting the idea of social enterprise and, yeah, getting people used to the idea that it's here and what we do and how it's making a big difference. That's awesome that you guys are going around and spreading the word about the cause. You guys showed up here today with a box, not just any box. It's the light box. Uh, the light box is full of... Um, I'm looking at all kinds of items here. There's a, a water bottle. There are uh, notebooks. And I understand um, a lot of these items actually have an interesting story behind them too. So uh, why don't you guys kind of run down what someone could find in the light box and what the story is behind the items. Uh, one of our items is the walking walking bag, and it's created by One Nations Exchange. It's a, where they help immigrants that are new to Winnipeg to get employed and have like experience and we also have the a notebook that's from Cree Nations uh, from Bobby Pruel and we also have a water bottle created by one of our graphic designers at Light. She custom made the welcome to Winnipeg sign on her own and it's like a love and hate thing of Winnipeg in the picture. And this light box is available for anyone who's interested in picking one up. Where can people find out more information on how they can get one and find out more information on light in general? For finding out more information about light, we have light.mb.ca. And from there, you can learn <clears throat> about what we're doing and upcoming events uh, and more about light and who we work with. And then if you are interested in purchasing the light box, you can go to shop.light.mb.ca. And from there, you can see the different options we have. We have the basic box for $45. And then for $65, we have the box that includes a copy of The Beautiful Bailout by Sean Loney, who's a big entrepreneur in the social enterprise scene. Uh, lining the box is actually a piece of felt by Mother, Na or Mother Earth Recycling Company. And what they did is recycle mattresses, which before they existed, all mattresses in Winnipeg would just go straight to the landfill. And that's a lot of very useful material. So Mother Nature or Mother Earth started and they began to rip apart and recycle these mattresses while giving people employment opportunities. And 
this uh, piece of fabric here in particular is ripped from the mattresses and it's used not only for lining the box and packaging, but it can also be used for insulation or crafting. Like there's many uses for it. We'd like to thank Winnipeg Foundation for sponsoring our summer light box. Vanessa and Tyler, thank you so much for talking to me today. This is a great thing that you guys are spending your summer working on and, and doing. I'm Jeremy Rance. Thank you for listening. Thanks, Jeremy. Up next, the Because Radio road trip is heading north, taking the perimeter onto Highway 8 and heading to Gimli, Manitoba, where we visited the New Iceland Heritage Museum and learned about Gimli and Lake Winnipeg's history. Welcome to the Because Radio Road Trip. Today we're visiting the New Iceland Heritage Museum in Gimli, Manitoba. Let's go. Thank you for listening to Because Radio. On today's episode of The Road Trip, we took an hour drive north to Gimli, Manitoba, where we met with Juliana Roberts to show us the New Iceland Heritage Museum. Can you tell us exactly what the museum is? You bet. So the New Iceland Heritage Museum tells the story of the settlement of New Iceland. In 1875, uh, a group of Icelanders came here to Canada looking for a better way of life. Uh, and so our museum tells that story. What can we see as we first enter this museum? As you enter the museum, you're going to walk through our gift shop, which we really try to stock with uh, new Iceland materials or Icelandic themed products. On the wall directly behind you is a mural and on the left hand side uh, depicts people, places and things that are important in Iceland. The right hand side is people, places and things that are important in New Iceland and the guy in the middle is Sigtrygur Jonasson known as the father of New Iceland. Sigtrygur Jonasson was, was in Iceland and he brought a delegation here to uh, North America uh, looking for a place for the Icelanders to develop or to settle in a colony. So he brought the first group of Icelanders here. The Canadian government uh, gave them this strip of land from Boundary Creek up through White Mud River, which was Riverton, and which included Hecla Island, which was called Big Island or Mickley in those days. So they left Winnipeg and uh, settled along this strip. Yeah, so this whole area now surrounding Gimli, it was once and I guess still considered New Iceland. Absolutely, it's still called New Iceland, Nia Island. yeah. Oh, very cool. So what can we see next here? So the museum tells the story chronologically of the settlement of New Iceland and it starts off with telling you uh, what the conditions were like in Iceland and what helped to make the decision to immigrate to Canada. In the 1800s there was a plague that hit the sheep, there was volcanic eruptions, uh, there was large families living on farms and the, there was no urbanization so no cities for them to move to so some of the families made the very difficult choice to immigrate to Canada and leave everything behind. As we go through this museum, there's some depictions of what it used to be like. You get to see an example of how they lived, really. For sure. And you can see in that one big picture there that it, they lived in, in uh, sod houses. So the homes were built into the hills. They were rocky, muddy floors. You know, some of them, the animals would live on one half and, and the, the family would live on the other half. Um, you know, it was a, a tough time to live. Can't be easy arriving on October 21st to live in tents prior to a Manitoba winter coming on your doorstep. Um, you know, they had a tough winter, um, but they are a tough stock because they survived. 
I just want to point out that these are uh, what's called coffers, and so when the Icelanders left Iceland, they were only allowed to bring one trunk of belongings. So if you can imagine going through your house and choosing just a box full of uh, your most prized possessions to bring to Canada, and the story goes as well is that often half of the trunk would be taken up by books because the literacy and reading is and was very strong for the Icelanders. They have the highest literacy rate in all the world. Wow. The next uh, picture you see, it's a moving picture. That is, uh, so it depicts the uh, portrait by Arnie Sigurdsson, who is a, a artist from the east side of the lake, and it's called The Landing. And it's a portrait that comes to life. So it's uh, local residents reenacted what the landing at Willow Island would have been like back on October 21st, 1875. And what are we seeing now? Uh, so this part of the museum starts with what settlement would have been like uh, in New Iceland. So this is a tent. This would have been a typical dwelling that they would have set up and lived in until they built log cabins when they arrived here. And again, there was a baby born the first night when they landed. Then we come to an open view of what a log cabin or a typical log cabin would have been in those days. Uh, they would have been very small, again, multiple families, but you can see that there's a lot of traditional items, a spinning wheel, a pawn cooker pan, a long spiel. There's lots of uh, of items that they would have brought with them that were important enough for them to bring to Canada. And behind you is a little model of a log cabin. Again, it, it depicts what it, uh, a typical log cabin would have been, but you see the little extra table at the back. Mm -hmm. uh, they made the log cabins with that little table to use for shearing sheep or different outdoor activities. The museum itself is very beautiful, but this would be hard without support. We are lucky enough to be counted as a Manitoba Signature Museum, so we do get some government funding, um, but we, we rely on fundraising and grants. Uh, so the West Shore Community Foundation has been extremely generous to, uh, to our museum, and we're looking at one of the exhibits that was made possible by their funding, and it is a song for John Ramsey, mm -hmm. and it pays tribute to an Indigenous fellow who uh, you know, there's no pictures of him, but the uh, the stories go that he was instrumental in helping the Icelanders when they first arrived at the White Mud River. He was he went uh, to Winnipeg to bring the first doctor back to the colony when smallpox hit, and while he was gone to Winnipeg, he lost his wife and two children, two or three children. There's different stories. Uh, so even though he had that hardship, he still remained friends with the Icelanders, which is you know above and beyond it just shows the character of the man so this exhibit um we commissioned uh singer songwriter william prince to write a song for john ramsey so we gave him a, a bunch of information and he wrote a song on what he you know what he thought maybe john ramsey would have been thinking or saying uh, so the exhibit itself uh, is a highly interactive it's got buttons that you can press which will tell you the different parts of the story if you press the buttons it'll tell uh, tell you the story chronologically and that was a little clip from Ballad of John Ramsey from William Prince, where you can definitely listen to here at the museum. New Iceland was established in the traditional territories of the Cree and Anishinaabe peoples. An indigenous settlement was located within the boundaries of the new colony, and John Ramsey is remembered for creating a bridge between the two communities. So now we're into the establishment of New Iceland. So on the wall 
uh, you will see a copy of the Constitution of New Iceland. They were really forward in, in that they had elected officials and they knew that in order for a colony to survive that they needed some semblance of order. So a constitution was developed. There were different um, councillors or reeves that were elected as well. And you can see there that it says it was called the Icelandic Reserve was remained exclusive to Icelanders until 1897 until it opened its borders and then that's where we transition into the next part of the museum where we talk about Ukrainians and Polish people that became part of New Iceland. There's tons of artifacts in here. How many artifacts would you say are in this museum? Within our collection we have 3,500 artifacts and here's the best part. As people go through the museum we it's always very quiet and then all of a sudden we hear and swords <laughs> are clanging and and this is the spot where uh, visitors can dress up as Vikings and put on helmets and hold shields and and um, drinking horns, all kinds of fun stuff. And we always hope and encourage visitors to to put them on Instagram and you know tag us on Instagram because it is a lot of fun. I think it's uh, the most fun part of our museum. Definitely looks like a blast for sure. <laughs> How would you explain this section? It's a temporary gallery. And we bring in exhibits from uh, Ingenum, the uh, Museum of Science and Innovation, or Food and Science, as well as we sometimes feature local artists. Today we have uh, an installation from the West, uh, Textile Articulation Group, and they're a group of textile artists who visited uh, New Iceland a couple of years ago and created all of these pieces of artwork wow. um, in their interpretation of New Iceland or, you know, things that they experienced when they visited here. Normally we rotate them about four times a year and our and our hope again with that rotation is to have repeat visitors because we are located in a small town. We, it is a tourist community in the summer but those shoulder seasons and winter seasons we put these installations with the hope that we will get repeat visitors come to see the new uh, exhibits. Absolutely, so whether or not you come here in the summer and decide to come here in the winter, you can always come here and find something new always so now we have this rock area tons of rocks here How, what Liter am i seeing literally a ton <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is a uh, a gift from iceland and it is a gift of 1600 pounds of rocks wow. came to be part of the museum in 2011 um and it i, I don't know if it has an example of every kind of rock that you find in Iceland, but of course Iceland is uh, very geologically rich, mm -hmm. and so uh, you can find an example of many, many uh, different kinds. And it's actually illegal to remove rocks from Iceland, so these this is really a rare sight to see. <laughs> yeah. The other thing too is that, you know, Icelanders uh, have a very strong mythical belief in elves and Hulda folk and trolls mm. and giants and rocks play a really important part in all of those legends or sagas. Uh, so there we talk, this one talks about uh, camouflage stones. So if you've actually touched this, it's warm. So Icelanders lore says that the stones are dark red and they should be kept under the left arm. So now we're in the volcano room. Volcanoes are very synonymous with Iceland. There's a new island, in fact, that was created. Circe Island was created from a volcano. So uh, Iceland is known for their volcanoes. So this room tells you everything you needed to know and more about volcanoes. You even have a display from Eyjafjallajökull. Jökull. Good job. Yeah, <laughs> Jökull, which erupted in 2010. And as if you remember, uh, it created havoc amongst the aviation world, world all along uh, Europe because of volcanic ash, as you can see. And this uh, dispenser coats everything. It, uh, it, it makes a very fine ash. 
um, like some people will think that ash just blows away, but you can see that it's very fine and oh, it's yeah. not something that's removed easily. Wow. This is really all amazing. Yeah. So again, thank you so much for giving us a tour of the museum here today. Um, is there anything that you would like to add about the museum? And can you tell us what is the importance of preserving all of this, really? Right. Um, so the New Iceland Heritage Museum is open 365 days a year um, from 10 to 4. Or, you know, you can call for different hours. We appreciate new visitors. Um, it's important to remember the story because it's part of the... Uh, history of Manitoba mm. and the history of Manitoba is part of the history of Canada uh, you know it's also a part of Iceland's history uh, and the Icelanders really um, they the Icelanders love to come here because they are curious to know where their relatives went and lots of the Icelandic uh, people here in in Manitoba head back to Iceland to see where their relatives come from so we have a very reciprocal relationship I think also that the um, there was a surgence of tourism to Iceland within the last number of years, and there's been a whole new generation that has fallen in love with the stark beauty of Iceland. So I think that this is a great part of their history as well. So I think it's worth the visit to come. Absolutely. So for those visiting Gimli, how can they find you? We're located at 94 First Avenue and the main floor of the Waterfront Center. So if you travel along first underneath the airplane, we're on the right-hand side. It's the tallest building in Gimli. We're on the main floor. Thanks again, Juliana and the New Iceland Heritage Museum for having us come down on another Because Radio road trip. As mentioned earlier, the New Iceland Heritage Museum has partnered with the West Shore Community Foundation to establish a permanently endowed Manitoba Heritage Trust Fund to support their work. This program helps museums like the New Iceland Heritage Museum operate and preserve Manitoba's rich culture. To learn more about the Heritage Trust Program, Program, visit www.endowmanitoba.ca. This is Sunny Promolo, and you're listening to Because Radio. Thanks for joining us on the Because Radio road trip. We'll see you next week, same time, different place. Thanks, Robert. Up next, I've been highlighting impact makers in our community as part of our Winnipeg Impact Makers segment. This week, I'll be speaking with Amy Tung to learn about how she's giving back to the community through the I Am Love Project. Welcome back to Because Radio. I'm Sunny Pomolo. As you all know, Manitoba is home to some of the most giving people in the country. To share those stories, I'm going around the city to speak with impact makers in Winnipeg. This week, I'm with Amy Tung, founder of the I Am Love Project, an organization focused on a mindset of self-love, love for ourselves, love for others, and of course, love for Winnipeg. Welcome to Because Radio. Hi, thanks for having me. Before we get started on I Am Love Project, uh, give us a little history about yourself. Who is Amy? Who is Amy? Uh, well, born in Brampton, Ontario, raised in Winnipeg, been here for the last 20 years. Um, just moved back from Hong Kong about seven years ago. Bachelors of Human Ecology, HR, all that fun stuff. And one day I decided to quit my full-time job and start all over. Let's talk about what is your because and why did you want to start the I Am Love Project? Out of all of the things that you did, you did marketing, you did so many different things. So why this? Right. Um, great question. Um, I started the I Am Love project when I quit my full-time job. 
And through that, I started to volunteer West Broadway Youth Outreach, um, Big Brother, Big Sister. And through volunteering, I found there is a funding gap for smaller charities. I see the volunteers, I see the people that were employed there, and even the, uh, the executive directors who are really not, I wouldn't say struggling, but doing so much for the kids, for the community, where essentially it's not a monetary return for them. It's all goodwill from the heart and acts of kindness. Tons of love. Tons and tons of love. And that kind of got me thinking, whereas where can I help in this kind of situation? Then I started to kind of link organizations with different charities, hoping that they would um, host a third-party fundraiser. And that didn't turn out how I envisioned. I guess you kind of need the passion and that drive behind it. So I kind of was a little upset and decided to do something. So that's when I began the I Am Love project. Mm. And how it kind of began was very... It just happened through a song and then through self-reflection. Um, I know growing up growing up was difficult. There's always hardships and obstacles. And then thinking about it, it was so simple to overcome these obstacles. It was just um, support, mm. not necessarily monetary, not necessarily holding my hand, but being that person where I can confide to, listen to support it's love unconditional absolutely we can go further into the details shortly but before that give us cole's notes on what exactly is the i am love project we create the chain of love where there's no beginning or ending we believe that everyone is worthy of love should be loved and feel loved regardless of age color or gender through what we do we inspire we empower and create change within the community. We increase community engagement, we promote volunteerism, and ultimately we spread love. Really powerful words. So how exactly do you achieve all of that? So we start with the crystal custom intention bracelet. So every month we have a crystal intention bracelet um, that I design and we have volunteers, students from different schools, so grade twos and grade fours, they would beat them. And then we have a different uh, group of volunteers that would um, do the finishing of the bracelets. With the bracelets, we sell them online, different platforms in when retailers in Winnipeg so radiance gifts um, oxygen fitness and yoga aligned Cairo right here Richardson building and so many more and then in conjunction with that we host a pop-up yoga event where we feature different teachers and different venues tickets are twenty dollars you get a free freshy lunch you get businesses that donate prizes as a way of saying thank you for giving back to the community mm. And then at the end of the month, we honor all proceeds to this charity. Oh, so uh, bef- going back into those bracelets, for those that don't know what an intention crystal is, what is it exactly? Uh, crystal intention bracelets are stones from nature and is said to have the healing power or properties to bring abundance, to bring prosperity, to bring love to the wearer. And I believe, well, it's definitely helped me um, 
having that symbolic meaning on your wrist every day helps me and guides me through my daily activities. Because mm. on all our bracelets, it's in support of a different cause. And then we have, we include the I am love charm. So it's a continuous, remem- um, it's a continuous reminder that you are love. The community mm. loves you and it's continuously being reciprocated. That's so awesome. So how do you decide what charities to give to? How do you choose those? So we plan those all a year in advance. Um, as for 2020, we started a new initiative where, because we were all about building that community engagement, we had um, submissions. So from schools, organizations, students, um, anyone could submit their charity of choice. And then at the end, we will pick 12 for 2020. Mm. But then in terms of this year was what resonates with me. Okay. That was for 2019. Are there any upcoming events that people can look out for? Uh, is there anything that people should know about? Events are happening every single month. We support a different cause every single month. Our, our next one is on July 28th. Uh, in celebration of our one-year anniversary in giving back to 11 grassroots charities. So this month, we are collaborating with all Oxygen Yoga and fitness studios across Canada, where they'll be hosting 2 a.m. karma classes in tandem with our event at the Bell MTS Iceplex. Um, all proceeds will be honored to Mondetta Charity Foundation, and we're hoping to raise about $25,000. Awesome, awesome. So people that are interested in that, uh, how can they get tickets uh, or how can they get involved? Everything is online on imloveproject.ca. Tickets are $20. First, 100 people to register will get a free MPG bag a tank top, and a swipe bag full of um, different merchandise and vouchers from our local businesses. Wow, really cool. This month is actually a really special month for you. Can you explain why that is? This month is special because we started the I Am Love Project about 11 months ago. And like I said, we supported 11 grassroots charity. And to celebrate our mandate in spreading love, and in spreading love across cultures, across borders, as it should be, we are donating the proceeds to Mondetta Charity Foundation, which um, helps children in Uganda. What does it do for the children in Uganda? It removes barriers from education, and it will ensure that every child will be fed at school. That's they awesome. will be guaranteed one meal a day. And that's so awesome. Before I let you go, I'd like to ask you, where do you hope to see Winnipeg in the next 10 years? And what do you hope to see happen in terms of our community? And is there anything else that you'd like to add? Hopefully by 2025, we're able to unify the entire province in giving back in a small, small way. So on September 10th, we have a new initiative coming up, which is called The Power of a Dollar. And how when community comes together, where we all can pitch in one dollar, it's huge. And we're able to support four different charities. So the four charities that we're supporting is U-Turn Parkinson's, The Snowflake Place, Kids Initiative, and Heart and Stroke Foundation. So from all proceeds, we will divide up the money and give it to the different charities. That's so awesome. And it's a great initiative because if you think about it, a dollar can really go a long way. 
It, it, it does, because when we go out to the schools, we always make sure that we speak about the charity when the kids make the bracelet. Mm. So I would ask the question, with $20, if you were to walk into Dollarama, how many items can you buy? And they say 20. With the 20 items, how many people can you give it to? 20. Like, that's right. So don't forget that for every bracelet that you're creating, you are helping 20 other people. Two bracelets that's 40 people and then it multiplies and it multiplies and it multiplies a dollar can buy an apple for those living on the street a dollar can buy a a pack of crayons for west broadway youth outreach or even a chocolate advent calendar for christmas we might not have 20 30 40 50 thousand dollars to give back but our time volunteering for that one hour or even that dollar goes a long way when community comes together absolutely every little bit counts yes again thanks to amy tongue and the i am loved project for creating an impact uh, for those of you who are looking to find out more about the i am loved project you can check out iamloveproject.ca to find out more and uh, definitely see what's coming up for them uh, so if you or anyone you know is making an impact in our city message us on social media by searching the winnipeg foundation at wpgfdn you can also email us at because radio at wpgfdn.org or reach out and call us at 204-944-94 474 extension 360 again that's 204-944-9474 extension 360 we'd love to hear about it this is sunny promolo and you are listening to because radio Welcome back to Because Radio. Robert Zirk here with you today, and I am now joined by Nolan Bicknell. He is the host of the Because and Effect podcast, which uh, the Winnipeg Foundation's podcast, which recently just wrapped up its very first season. Nolan, thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks, Rob. Great to be back on the show. So normally when you join us on the show here, you typically bring us clips from the podcast, but I understand that you want to uh, change things up a little bit today. I do, and thank you for agreeing. I mean, hopefully you'll agree. But yeah, normally we come on the show and we talk about uh, last week's guests and we talk a little bit about what they said and what they talked about. But this week I wanted to put you through, put you in the hot seat, switch things up a little bit and kind of do a little mini interview with you as a potential podcast guest and just kind of give our listeners here a a little taste of what the podcast is like and the kind of questions that I've been asking. Are you okay to do that? We'll give it a go. <laughs> Great. Some pretty big questions. For sure, for sure. And that's kind of the point. You know, the podcast is all about talking to people about the causes that they care about and the effects that it has on their lives. So I want to talk to you, Rob. Like, I've never really asked you questions like this, but what's the first cause that you remember caring about? I had to really think about this one. And now that I really reflect and think back, um, it would have been the environment. Mm -hmm. I remember seeing at my local grocery store this display for uh, this organization called Kids for Saving Earth. Good name. And I had to uh, I had to Google it. It's still around. The organization is still around, but they had published this magazine style publication that was all about saving the planet and and things that you could do as a kid to kind of help make the world a better place very cool so i think that just really stuck with me throughout my life i've always kind of had that 
conscientiousness about the environment. It's always something to be conscious of and it's always something to really start kids young with is caring about their environment, making sure they leave whatever area they came to a little bit better off is when they found it. For sure. So question number two, if money, politics and logistics were no issue at all, what's the first thing that you would do in support of your cause? I would ensure that everyone had access to mental and physical health care mm-hmm. and services. Yeah, those um, areas are so taxed right now in our in our province and in our country, you know, and there's parts in the world that it's even worse, right? So absolutely. That's a great answer. And I, I think that someone who's at their at the best health that they can be at is gonna be a better contributor to society is going to be more involved in the community so so yeah i think that would be my if if i could just snap my fingers and change something for the better i think that would be my my goal great answer question three of seven what is the biggest misunderstanding or stigma about the cause that you currently care about i think and it's good to see that the conversations are a lot more open now but I think still breaking down the stigmas surrounding mental health and addiction. I remember growing up, so I I grew up in Selkirk, and I remember growing up the way that some adults would speak about mental health, um, because the Selkirk has a, a pretty prominent mental health center there. Sometimes the way that people would talk about that was very stigmatized and... And off-putting, I bet. Absolutely. I think we've made a lot of progress, thankfully, and I think there's still a long way to go. I think there's been a lot of progress made, but uh, I think we need to still keep having those conversations and just having that understanding and empathy toward one another. And recognize the the commonality and the normalcy of it, right? It's not this thing that only, you know, one out of a thousand people is going through. Everyone's struggling in some way or everyone has their issues. So yeah, if we can have a little bit more empathy... I completely agree with that. So question number four, what is the time in your life when you had to pivot because the plan wasn't working? I think I'd go back to before I started university and college and what my ambitions were and what I thought I wanted to do from there and kind of contrast that with where I am now. Um, I really wanted to focus on video production, have my own business, and kind of work in that field. And I had a freelance business for a little bit. Things didn't quite work out. But you know what? At the end of the day, I think you just have to keep trying different things. And I started at the Winnipeg Foundation doing an internship, not really knowing what exactly I'd be involved in. It was only at the very beginning of my time there that we started talking about potentially doing some radio stuff, which the foundation hadn't been that involved in before. But I don't think I'd change a thing. Like working at the foundation, it's such a wonderful place to work. I love doing radio, so that's always a a perk for the job for me. And uh, getting to know so many wonderful organizations and people who you know, are, are working tirelessly to make Winnipeg a better place. Um, I think that's been the most gratifying part. And it's been great to see our city from that lens. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, you know, not something that people have a lot of access to. Question five, what is the best piece of advice that you've ever been given? A piece of advice that I've really found helpful, both in terms of making music as a hobby, but even just with my life in general, one of my music mentors, he mentioned having a journal 
keeping a journal and just writing free form every single morning, I've found it's such a great way to unpack whatever I'm thinking for the day. I just find that it really helps to to clear your mind and it's just a way to to kind of decompress before you get started with the day. I think it's a, a lost art, yeah, definitely. And people underestimate the importance of just sort of putting your ideas out there for sure. Question six, what advice would you give to your 10-year-old self if you could talk to him right now? Don't worry about what other people think. Elementary and junior high school were not particularly fun a lot of the time. And when you're a kid and you're being bullied, you know, you that that's your world, essentially. But that doesn't really play into your life later on. Every kid thinks that the beginning and the end of the world is like what happens in school. And then once you, once it finally clicks that that's not the case, it's such a liberating and magical feeling that like, Oh my gosh, there's a whole world of opportunity out there for me. I shouldn't give a crap what any of these people think really totally for sure. Last question. Thank you for doing this. What do you want to be remembered for? I'd like to be remembered for being kind and promoting kindness. I want to be remembered as someone who was caring and thoughtful yeah, I just I just want to make the world make the world better, uh, a better place and a kinder place. Well, with how people speak of you already, I know that to be true. So you're oh, already killing it, buddy. Too kind. Thank, Thank you, you for putting up with us. I know it's a it's a it's an interesting exercise, yeah. and that's why we do it at, on the podcast is because it usually gets people thinking, and it gets people talking. And it gets people inspired, hopefully, right? So, I mean, I encourage people to ask these sorts of questions to your friends and to your family because it's usually an interesting conversation. You learn something about a a coworker or a friend. And uh, yeah, just if you want to listen to the Because and Effect podcast, we ask those same seven questions. Go to becauseandeffect.ca. There's 12 episodes you can listen to from Scott Oak to Mark Chipman, um, 1 to 12 It's been a lot of fun. Thank you for having me on the show to talk about it. And uh, yeah, we'll see you for season two. Thank you so much. You're listening to Because Radio. Robert and Sonny here with you today. And uh, as we mentioned at the top of the show, the Winnipeg Fringe Festival is still underway through the weekend. And uh, producer Jeremy Morantz had an opportunity to uh, head out to Old Market Square and speak with some of the people who were attending some of the noon hour and afternoon programming put on by the Fringe Festival at Old Market Square to learn a little bit more about their Fringe experience and what they'd recommend. I'm Jeremy Morantz. I'm out at the Old Market Square right now talking to fringe goers, people who are hanging out, having fun in between shows. Maybe they're about to see a show. I uh, have tracked down Amber, who is a fringe goer. And uh, Amber, I would love to talk to you about what brought you down here to the Old Market Square for Fringe. It is an absolutely gorgeous day. And you know, Fringe Festival just has this knack of really amping up the whole vibe of the Exchange District and creating this community right in the heart of our Old Market Square. And the food trucks, the shows, the liveliness, it's just a wonderful place to be on a beautiful summer's day. Have you seen any shows or do you plan on seeing any shows? Yeah, I actually checked out Outside Joke already. They were absolutely hilarious. Highly recommend to anyone who's looking for a show to go to. 
but I haven't gone to more than that, but I'm definitely going to check out a few more before Fringe Festival is up. Is this your first time coming down to Old Market Square for Fringe, or have you been in years past? Actually, I came last year. I just stumbled upon it. I didn't realize there was a whole festival coming along, and I just was out for a nice summer stroll, and I was like, oh my goodness, there are food trucks. There are stages. What is going on? And I was like, I'm going to have to come back to this next year and really experience it, and I'm so glad I did. This is a great way to uh, support local art and support local theater. Great community, great vibes. Amber, thank you so much for talking to me today. Thanks, Jeremy. And to learn more about the Winnipeg Fringe Festival or get the full listing of shows and showtimes, you can visit winnipegfringe.com. Again, that's winnipegfringe.com. That's a wrap for today's episode of Because Radio. Thank you very much for listening, and thank you to all of our guests who joined us today. Because Radio is produced by the Winnipeg Foundation in partnership with 93.7 CJNU. Our Because Radio theme music, Call of the North, was written and performed by Micah Ehrenberg. You can find more of his music at micaehrenberg.com. If you'd like to listen to previous episodes or subscribe to our podcast, please visit becauseradio.org. Again, that's becauseradio.org. And if you have any feedback about today's show, ideas for stories, or Winnipeg Impact Makers, please give us a call. Our number is 204-944-9474, extension 360. You can also email us at becauseradio at wpgfdn.org. And you can also follow the Winnipeg Foundation on social media at WPGFDN on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. I'm Robert Zirk, signing off for Because Radio. And I'm Sunny Promolo. Thank you so much for listening, and have a great weekend.